Here's what we're going to talk about. A theory on the origin of the COVID-19 virus is back and gaining credibility as being, at the very least, worthy of further, more thorough investigation. Where did COVID-19 come from? China has always maintained it was born out of uh, human-animal contact, so accidental, which is, is how a lot of these viruses do come to the fore. But there's always been this theory that in reality was due to experimentation by Chinese researchers and that somehow the virus escaped a facility and was released into the public. Of course, China is not exactly open to either criticism or foreign investigation. But now U.S. President Biden has ordered intelligence officials to essentially redouble efforts to look into this. So it's pretty interesting also that a Canadian biotech entrepreneur who's based out of Russia has also floated this theory as being something worth looking into. And I don't know, maybe now feeling a little vindication because uh, he got attacked in the early parts of it. Uh, let's find out. Is there vindication? Yuri Dagan is joining me live here on 630 Ched Mornings. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for the invitation. Okay. And you're speaking to us uh, out of Moscow? Yeah, I'm in Moscow right now, but I actually flew in uh, two days ago. I was in Toronto for over a month, but uh, I'm in Moscow now for a couple months. Okay. You did float this uh, last April, so now that there seems to be some officialdom coming out and going, yeah, well, you know, maybe we should take a look at this. Is there vindication or satisfaction? Just curious. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it feels good uh, on one hand. On the other hand, um uh, a little upset that it took over a year. Uh, to be honest, I kind of expected to be here uh, a year ago, like well, maybe in, in June last year after all of the new data came out. And not just from me, but from uh, other people researching this topic. Especially, I think the big breakthrough came when uh, one of our members of our group found this master's thesis that discovered uh, that uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology took a very close look at this pneumonia outbreak in 2012, uh, this abandoned mine, and actually collected uh, lots of viruses, including this RATG13 progenitor virus, uh, potential progenitor virus that they had in their possession all this time. And uh, initially they said in 2020 that they only sequenced it after the outbreak, but then we discovered that that's, that's a lie. They actually sequenced it as far back as 2017 and 2018. So, so yeah, I mean, short short answer is yes, but I tend to go off on tangents. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'll try to that's quite restrain a, myself. That's quite all right. They're, they're fascinating tangents. But uh, as, so you put out an essay basically uh, about this time last year, uh, April last year. What drew you to it and, and what was it at the time that, that brought you to, to some of these, if not conclusions, then at least questions uh, and then the reaction to it afterwards? So, so how did you get down that road uh, last April? Was it just seeing what research was going on in Wuhan at the time? Yeah, well, I mean, initially I was pretty much of the mind that it's a crazy conspiracy theory. The, the uh, lab leak hypothesis, as many people were just dismissing it outright, saying that, oh, no, it's impossible. It's just, you know, people propagating it are, you know, off the rocker. And, uh, you know, I just dismissed it initially as well. But then I decided to double check, like, why are we dismissing it? And uh, just get to the bottom of the arguments against it and once i started investigating i realized very quickly that it's it's not a conspiracy theory or hypothesis to be correct at all there's very valid concerns that it might have happened so initially all of the all of my 
kind of essays, arguments were about, let's not dismiss it out of hand yeah. because it, it's plausible. And uh, yeah, I mean, after I realized that there's plenty of valid data on mm -hmm. the potential of the leak, I just decided to summarize it as, uh, as an article. I just like to kind of write stuff. So that's what I did. The reaction was pretty quick too. Yeah, I mean, not positive for you. Yeah, it was, uh, no, absolutely not. It was a very vicious attack, actually, because, like, initially I published it in Russian, and uh, there's a lot of, uh, like, Russian discussion that happened on social media even before I, I got a chance to translate. And, yeah, I already kind of knew what I was getting into based on the very negative discussions in the Russian uh, social media, but I decided to, uh, I'm just going to put it out in English and post it on Twitter. <laughs> So, and, uh, yeah, that's what I did. As we look at this, uh, do you believe that is what happened or simply that that's what may have happened? Where do you land on this as you've been looking at it? Did it come out of a lab? Sure. Now I do. I mean, initially last year, I was very careful not to because, you know, it was still not uh, as, as much data as we have right now. And uh, the behavior of the Chinese over the year definitely strengthened me in the idea that that's what happened. Initially, I thought, you know, it's plausible. Mm -hmm. But then the more stuff we learned, and uh, as I said, the, the, the more opaque the, the Chinese government's response was and the Chinese scientists' response was, it kind of makes me now about 90% certain that the lab leak is, is what's responsible. And obviously now the the U.S. government and, and Joe Biden is, is, you know, this was this was also talked about by by, by President Trump previously and, and of course got caught up in the, uh, no, that's just a, a bunch of crazy talk. But now Biden's coming in. That adds credibility, I guess, as well, saying we do need to look at this and try to refocus those efforts to try and see what did happen. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it got politicized early on, and I think that's really what, what kind of poisoned the discussion around this. Yeah. But now that this kind of Trump thing fades away and people just start to look at it uh, without any bias, they realize, you know, how much plausibility this, this has. And, and really, to be honest, uh, this should be kind of the default hypothesis given so many coincidences that, that would have had to happen for this to be natural occurrence and that there's really no evidence of any natural zoonotic jump like there's zero evidence of natural jump hmm. even you know, a year and a half afterwards so you know maybe this isn't your I'm, but i'm it isn't your area of expertise but it is an interesting part of this overall conversation so i'd like to get sort of uh, your view on it. it is why is this important to know and what difference will it make down the road because it's it seems like most of the world can't tell china to do anything it's just huge and powerful and, and so so where do you land on that uh, i mean it's for me it's just an interesting question <laughs> okay i i I just, yeah, from a scientific or academic standpoint, I'm very curious about, you know, to learn what really happened. Uh, in practical terms, I guess, I mean, there's legal implications and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, yeah you're right that China's probably never going to admit anything that would open up to like legal challenges or even political challenges. So, but I mean, it's important to, I think, also to prevent future pandemics to talk about just the general gain of function research and to essentially ban it like it was kind of banned just in the States and then Fauci quietly enabled it and, and, and uh, allowed funding of this type of stuff to happen in Wuhan. So to, to, to be really like, I think, 
honest with ourselves. We, we need to examine the larger context and not just like China, but what, what happened about the funding and who's really responsible about funding this research. And yeah. You get pretty quickly a lot of people in the, in, in the, in the south of the border, you know, from, from Canada, I guess. Would it be fair to say that there is research like this going on all over the place? I'm sure it's in the CDC. I'm sure it's, you know, we've, we've you know, for me, as, as a layman, not really being in part of this kind of thing, is you see it in the movies. There's research. It's just that maybe they were the ones who were unlucky that it got out. But this is going on around the world, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was and it is. And it's, uh, uh, I mean, the question is under what conditions, like biosafety level conditions, it has been or is going on. And like originally coronaviruses were only like biosafety level two pathogens, which is uh, like Richard E. Wright put your dentist's office is biosafety level two. Yeah. And all those like cool pictures of them and biohazard suits is from a BSL-4 laboratory, which I mean, they had, but I bet they didn't even use it for coronavirus research because, you know, it was allowed to be done under BSL-2 conditions. So yeah, this is dangerous. And, uh, and I mean, many, many, problems happened in the states as well i think the former fda director mentioned it like yeah lab lab uh breaches not leaks but but like problems in labs happen happen all the time it's just a matter of time where like the big one happens and this is yeah you could say it's a lot unlucky yeah so there's another level to this too because one of the other theories is that it wasn't uh, you know if you then assume that it got out of a lab that it wasn't an accident that it was something that was weaponized so do, now do we go down that rabbit hole as well and is that a fair yeah. question to ask it's a fair question to ask, but I think there's a very low probability, like very close to zero, that there was anything deliberate just because, you know, they killed a lot of their own people and it's like a very... It could... It, if it's a plan, it could go wrong very, very... Very quickly. Like, quickly and, yes, yeah, substantially. You don't want to kill half your own population if yeah. you kind of mess up. And <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's a very unlikely scenario that this was deliberate. And Hanlon's razor tells us that, yeah, it's probably just a accident. I'm sorry, I just missed that. What tells us that? Hanlon's razor, basically, if there's something that can be explained by uh, uh, inadequacy or lack of competence, that's better than thinking that it's some kind of, like, grand plan ah. and uh, malevolence, essentially. Okay. Incompetence trumps malevolence, basically. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> she enjoyed hearing about that. Didn't wasn't aware of it. Uh, one final thing, and and again, you know, you can jump in on this or not. But like you say, it was shot down initially as a wild conspiracy theory at the time. And I still like personally, I still think that a lot of these theories can be dangerous because people don't look at it as theory; they look at it as fact. Right? Uh, there's a difference between theory. This is worth looking at, and then others who who will go and you know, okay, this is not. They will just grab it as fact. When something like comes uh, like this comes out, it really does seem to bolster other conspiracy theories as well. Well, I mean. First of all, to be precise, this is not even a theory, it's a hypothesis that yeah. hasn't yet been proven. So, yeah, and I guess uh, I'm using uh, that terminology as to how it was lumped in in the early going, so. Sure, and uh, but I mean, anybody who takes it like step one step further and thinks it's proven is just, yeah, wrong on, on its own. So like, I don't see how the merits of one hypothesis any way any stronger on the other like 9-11 conspiracies of the moon landing i mean they're all absolutely not connected at all so uh 
and just because someone called it a conspiracy never really makes made it a conspiracy this is a very uh, natural occurrence lab leaks happen all the time and happened all the time and i mean cover-ups happen, happen as well and I mean, you could say that from a legal standpoint, they're conspiracy because, you know, people are conspiring to cover this up. But again, this doesn't make it any more uh, implausible or wrong that this or false, the, the hypothesis doesn't falsify the hypothesis. It's yeah. just basically people aren't using logic. They're using like emotional language to uh, dismiss that stuff. Like anything you don't agree with, you call a conspiracy theory. And, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't have any merit on logic or, or facts. Well, it's like so many things. There are extremes on either side. So don't discount out of hand. Don't just instantly believe out of hand. Investigate and look into it. That's that's the nature of, of an academic and a scientist anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some hypotheses are more plausible than others. Sure. And, uh, you know, as, as, as soon as you kind of have data that proves otherwise or dismisses something, you can then dismiss it. But for this, in this particular instance, there's just nothing, nothing yet that can allow us to yep. dismiss this lab leak possibility. Okay. Yuri Dagan, this has been a fascinating conversation. I thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.